If we're going to, as a news organization or as any organization that are what we refer to as guardians of history, going to translate our archives onto the blockchain and to allow for decentralized ownership of those assets for the sake of you know, immutable pr- preservation, then those assets have to have the right kind of context and significance attached to them. And the best way to do that is through metadata. You're listening to Crypto Savvy, the show that demystifies digital assets and uncovers all things cryptocurrency. Brought to you by the Hashkey Group, a leader in financial technology and digital asset management. Crypto Savvy, the essentials. This week, our guest is Gary Liu, the CEO of South China Morning Post. If you are a regular reader of the SCMP, as it's known here, you will be aware of quite a significant announcement they made this week with the introduction of their historical NFTs, a series called Artifact. You'll be able to collect the first drop of these historical NFTs recording key moments in the history of Hong Kong in 1997. Digging behind these artifacts, the NFTs, as well as a project in the metaverse is Gary Liu. He's been CEO of South China Morning Post since 2017. Earlier, he was the CEO of a New York data-driven news platform called Dig. And earlier in his career, he was head of labs at music streaming service Spotify. Under Gary's leadership, really South China Morning Post has pivoted from a print focused media outlet in Hong Kong to becoming a digital first online newsroom with a global focus. Listen to Gary as we walk through the Artifacts project and their upcoming presence in the metaverse. Gary, as we just heard in the intro, you've got a formidable background in technology, most recently, well, prior to 2017, working for Dig and then also at Spotify. How has that experience set you up to undertake the transformation you've been undertaking at SCMP? Well, first of all, Walter, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's good to chat with you and, and, and to your listeners about everything that we're doing at The Post. I wouldn't say my, my experience is formidable. I've been very, very fortunate to work with some great technology companies and learn from great technology leaders. And so this transformation for us at The Post is, I guess, ostensibly a refinement of everything I've learned in a new market and a new industry, and that being the traditional newspaper industry. It did prepare me well to understand the mechanics of how to create a media, digital media company effectively from scratch and in many ways transforming in a 113-year-old newspaper. Now it's 118. When I arrived, it was 113 years old. Transforming that into the digital global media company we have today felt like starting from scratch. Yes, there was a legacy. Yes, there was a history. And of course, there are the the long-imbued sense of ethics and process because this is such an old news organization. But the way we think about audience, the way we think about product and packaging, all of that was brand new. And in the four years you've been undergoing the transformation, what are some of the standouts as you look back and say, these have made us digital first, these have made a difference? There are several things that immediately come to mind. Let me go through a few of them. The first is, I think internally, the South China Morning Post company culture had to pretty dramatically change. We did not think about ourselves as a product company. And as such, we didn't really focus enough on who the internet user is. 
frankly, I mean, at this point, South China Morning Post has a tiny fraction of our monthly user base reading only the paper newspaper. The vast, vast, vast majority of our user base only engages with our brand and our content online. And so the internal culture had to change. We had to believe that we are a product and technology company. We had to plan as a product and technology company. We had to move at the speed of a product and technology company. So that was the first major change. The second one was that we had to believe that we are a global news organization, realizing that our audience is not just in Hong Kong anymore. At this point, about 5% of our monthly audience is based in Hong Kong, 95% of our readers are outside of our home marketplace, which makes it, it makes us a very unique newspaper in that sense. And so as a news organization, we had to understand those uh, users from, from editorial through the entire rest of the, the company. The newsroom had to understand how to craft stories for a global audience, how to put things in context for people who are not as familiar as you or I are about what's happening in Hong Kong and what ha- what's happening across the rest of China. So that also had to change to, to make us a digital global media company. And then, of course, there's the technology and the data and all the change that needs to happen for us to be a technology-first organization. So that I won't go into. I think most of your uh, listeners will understand that. No, listen, I'd love to pull apart the cultural transformation, but here at Crypto Savvy, we're very interested specifically in digital assets. So I want to peel apart two recent projects that you've announced and and start with the most recent. Uh, You've introduced Artifact, uh, which is a blockchain-based way of preserving history. Can you just give us the introduction to that project? Because there are plenty of questions that follow on from that. Absolutely. Artifact is a new metadata standard that we are designing specifically for historical NFTs. And what I mean by historical NFTs are it's effectively a, well, it is an NFT of a historical asset, something that already exists. And of course, it's going to be a digital tokenized representation of that asset. This could be anything from a newspaper's archives, like the South China Morning Post or an archives, Or it could be a physical asset that maybe a museum owns, and they've decided to take a high-quality 3D scan of it, digitize it, and then tokenize it. Now, the reason why we thought that a metadata standard for historical NFTs was needed is because the way that NFTs are structured today does not actually provide enough context for things that already exist in history to really have historical significance and therefore historical value attached to them. And that's something that actually we believe the marketplace is going to need. If we're going to, as a news organization or as any organization that are what we refer to as guardians of history, going to translate our archives onto the blockchain and to allow for decentralized ownership of those assets for the sake of immutable preservation, then those assets have to have the right kind of context and significance attached to them. And the best way to do that is through metadata. Because that standard did not exist, when we decided to start tokenizing our archives, we decided to pull together effectively a consortium, not an official consortium, but rather a council of experts to help us design that metadata standard. As I understand, per your white paper, you include a sample of a smart contract that's um, prepared to showcase all of the different types of data that get captured. How do existing blockchains not support this? Uh, And what was it that made you have to kind of find a a new solution to this? Well, well, thank goodness we are not planning on building our own chain. 
We're not building a layer one protocol. We're not building a layer two protocol. Effectively, what we are doing is designing a metadata standard that could exist on pretty much any protocol today that supports NFTs. And on top of that, and beyond that, I should say, we're also building several applications, one of which is going to be SCMP's own NFT storefront and marketplace, which initially is going to be used just for SCMP, but eventually our plan is to open that up for other issuers of historical NFTs. Um, the, the metadata standard that is laid out in the white paper, it's effectively all of the different fields that we believe as of right now, should be attached, or all the different data and information that should be attached to a historical NFT for context, for significance. How that is built into the smart contract can change from one chain to another. We've decided to launch this standard first on the Flow blockchain by Dapper Labs. And so we're in process of actually building that first smart contract. Now, some of that metadata will sit as part of the NFT will actually sit on chain as part of the smart contract. Some of that metadata will sit in some decentralized storage, something like IPFS. We're starting to work with, uh, we're, we're in process with a couple of options on, on, on how to store the actual asset itself, including some of the additional metadata. The reason we're doing that is, first of all, we don't want the smart contract to be too heavy. And so only the things that are absolutely necessary, we're going to put on chain. And then other things are still going to be immutably recorded, but just in a storage solution as opposed to in, in code. Gary, it's very ambitious to set up a metadata standard for the preservation of historical items of interest. This has much greater possibilities beyond South China Morning Post. So how do you introduce this to a, a worldwide audience? Uh, that's a hard question, Walter. Well, I, I mean, it's an easy question to ask. It's a very hard one for me to answer because, frankly speaking, we don't know all of the different things we have to do yet for this to really scale as a universally or at the very least globally accepted standard. We have a sense, though, what the first few steps are. First, we actually have to go find IP owners, these guardians of history who have for years, decades, maybe generations, preserved human history in some form. And we have to go teach them about the blockchain and why it matters, or why tokenizing and preserving historical assets that matter to all of us on the blockchain actually matters. And then, once we've convinced them why it matters, we have to teach them how to do it. We have to show them case studies, and this is why the South China Morning Post is doing it ourselves first, because at the very least, we're eating our own dog food, as technologists say, and we can show people, hey, here's what we did, here's how we did it, and here's what the results are. Once we show them, we probably actually have to work with them to produce the first few drops, the first few sets of NFTs, design the product in a way that actually properly represents the value of the asset, but also in a way that builds the kind of organic community that you actually need in the blockchain space. You have to convince the blockchain communities and users and buyers, really, to acquire these assets. So that, that's all on just the issuer side. And then there's the customer side or the buyer side or the community side, the user side. We have to start engaging with the community and explaining to them why they should own a piece of history, why it matters that the community comes and decentrally owns these assets. And that's also not an easy conversation to be had because the way that the NFT world has played out so far 
not surprisingly, is that these digital collectibles and digital assets, they don't necessarily represent the past. They represent the future because this is a future protocol, right? And so we want to get more and more people involved in preserving history alongside of institutions. And that's a story that is worth telling, but won't be easy. Okay, Gary, it, I, I usually find it helps to explain a story by let's arrive at the destination. So I am a South China Morning Post super fan. Yeah, I've been in Hong Kong uh, now 11 years, and there are moments I recall Tell me, as a customer, I show up in your marketplace in the South China Morning Post store. What do I see? What are the artifacts themselves? The first SCMP NFTs will be dropped as effectively collectible cards, and they'll be dropped in randomized packs. So you, as a buyer, somebody who either cares about the Post's history or cares about Hong Kong's history or just as a collector and and cares about history, might buy a pack. And within that pack, there are five NFTs. And those five NFTs are randomized. And each of them is a high-resolution scan of a front page of the South China Morning Post. Now, the first drop, the first collection we're dropping is going to be all of the front pages, A1s, from 1997. For those of you who know Hong Kong, it should not be a surprise that we chose 1997 as our launch collection because it is arguably the most important year in Hong Kong's history. It was the year of Hong Kong's handover back to Chinese rule, plus a number of other things that people may have forgotten just because they were overshadowed by the handover on July 1st. But so much happened in that year. So you as a buyer, you buy a pack, you open it. And as you open it, it mints the five NFTs that are within it. And then you get to see what the five uh, front pages are that you've collected. And from there, you'll be able to not only store them, show them, but eventually be able to trade them if you decide that you want to keep certain ones, you want to sell off other ones, or you want to create a collection of meaningful dates for yourself. And remember, this is just the first drop. So future drops could be similar, could be collectible cards of front pages from different years. It could be specific individual articles that really mattered or changed markets or changed history. Or it actually could be other assets that the South China Morning Post has in our archives, pictures, videos, or tokenized, could be fragmented so that the community can actually reassemble our collective human history in interesting ways. So how are you balancing the, the commercialism of buying five randomized pack with that historical intent of preserving the memento? Because it sounds like it's a bit of a, a card game collectible and there might even be a little bit of mania behind it if we are fortunate. But well, yeah. how do you balance that against the, the longer term goal of preserving the history? Yeah, that's a great question. Our focus is not on the bottom line revenue of this effort. Our focus is on making the archives available for effectively co-ownership. We've never made our archives available for people to go and own, besides sort of the reprints of some of our front pages and these bound books for holidays. These are true collectibles. But now what we're saying is that the digital preservation of SCMP's archives on the blockchain specifically will be in effect funded by folks that want to own a piece of it, and they'll be co-owners of our archives. The revenues that we raise from this go directly back into the news operation, either into the immutable preservation of our archives on the blockchain or into funding future journalism that the South China Morning Post creates. So 
because we are not thinking about it as a you know, profit play, I don't think that balance is going to be an issue for us at any point. Okay, so your first drop will be the A1 pages of 1997. So you're talking about 365 NFTs, about 70, 75 packs going out in your first drop. What's your timing look like for these? So let me correct the numbers a little bit. There's going to be 362 unique NFTs because there were three non-publishing days in the year of 1997. And there will be in total 2,600 packs now, the way we got to 2,600 is because all of these cards, there's going to be different rarity levels. And there are going to be some cards, like, as you can imagine, July 1st, 1997, that will be super rare. And there will only be a very small number ever minted. And then there are going to be other days that are going to be more common. And there will be more of those that are minted. And there will be plenty of people who want to buy those or collect those as well because it could be their birth date, it could be their anniversary, whatever it is. And so because of that, we're going to have far more than the uh, 70 some packs, 2,600 packs. We expect the first drops of these packs to be sometime in January of 2022. Great. And if I'm lining up my drop dates and uh, looking to make an investment in a collectible, where would I go find this? It will be on the SCMP domain. Right now, if you go to artifact.scmp.com, not only can you sign up for alerts, so that you'll, you'll hear the moment we're ready to drop or you'll get to join the community the moment we open up uh, community engagement. But you'll also get to read our full white paper. Remember, artifacts by SCMP, these drops of SCMP Zone archives, is only meant to be the first use case of this artifact standard. And so the white paper itself lays out why we're creating the standard, how we believe it ought to scale, who we're doing it with, and it shows a little bit about the future roadmap. Fantastic. And there is more I want to unpick in that. Let me ask a simple question. What happens with the originals? Because an NFT is unique. That's right. So the original underlying asset, and for us in this case, it's the actual physical paper version, remains in the custody of the South China Morning Post. We retain it. We retain the full commercial IP rights of that asset. What we are doing with the NFT representation of that asset is we're providing almost full non-commercial rights to the owner. They can display, they can showcase in, in ways, they can uh, re- reproduce in non-commercial ways those assets as well. But we are also going to be building community-first platforms to allow people to engage with one another's collectibles so that you can rediscover history as part of a group. The entire entity world is still trying to figure out what the long-term rights separations and IP ownership kind of nuances what they need to be, right, to, to sustain an NFT ecosystem. And SMP will be part of that journey, I hope. Yeah, I would imagine that if it is a front page, you'd be tokenizing the image. And while the words on the page are part of that image, I would still imagine those words would still be discoverable via other traditional research tools and online content searches, etc. Yes, absolutely. We're not pretending like if the content included in each of these NFTs is exclusive to that NFT, right? This is public domain information. We don't ever want to hold on to it as only SCMPs. But the actual NFT itself, and that NFT itself, because it is the actual, it's the front page, and there's only going to be X number of them ever minted. We're not going to go and reproduce and you know, do perpetual minting of these things. They will have value. They are, they are definitely a, a worthwhile collectible. Why the creation of your 
contract your metadata? Has it been that you've looked around and haven't found a comparable or a, a worthwhile record for other historical pieces? That's exactly right. When we started this project, our intent was to mint parts of our archives onto the blockchain, again, for preservation, and to test the idea that co-ownership matters. But we couldn't find a standard to use. We, we couldn't find anything that was built specifically for historical assets. And when we started talking to archivists around the world and curators around the world and blockchain experts, folks that have been building the foundation blocks of this new metaverse, right, that we're going to coexist in. And everyone said, okay, that this, this thing doesn't exist. There are other standards that perform other you know, meaningful tasks within the ecosystem, uh, whether it be the equivalent of the you know, ISBN for books but for digital content, whether it be protocols like Filecoin that properly monetize or properly incentivize permanence in decentralized ownership. Those things are great, and there are universities and researchers out there that are creating metadata standards specifically for pictures, right, that are embedded at the point of capture to make sure that you can't fake the location or the time that you took a photo. That's all great, but the specific metadata that we're looking for to provide and attach comprehensive historical context to an asset doesn't, didn't exist. Well, it still doesn't exist. I mean, we're still in the process of creating it. So we started working with all of these different standards to make sure that their standards actually can directly feed into ours and you know, reciprocally so as well. This is not meant to be an SEMP only initiative. That's why we're working with a council. And that's also why we are actually handing the standard over to a nonprofit after its launch so that it can be governed properly for the future. Great. And no better way to then get third parties on board is through a NGO or a not-for-profit that manages this new protocol. Yes. The hope is that people will understand this is a philosophy at the end of the day. And philosophically, we believe that this is that the history ought to be a long-term social good, right? Or at the very least, the access to and the education from history should be a, a social good. So therefore, it should be uh, decentrally owned. And this standard is supposed to help that, help that process, right? So yes, our hope is that the nonprofit foundation, well, we, know, we do know that this nonprofit foundation, when properly governed, will be the best advocates for this protocol, this standard, sorry. For anyone out there who is recording history, you're covering off authenticity and you're able to certify provenance. So those are costly and time-consuming initiatives that you've solved through the blockchain. Our hope is to go a few steps into solving the complexity and the cost of historical preservation. There are issues with authenticity and provenance that blockchain innately solves, yes. But getting up to the point of minting an NFT, there is still process that needs to be there. There is still authentication that needs to be built. And so those are things that the nonprofit and its governance structure will also work out in time. So Artifact SCMP, NFT drops beginning as early as January 2022. Get in, read the white paper, take a look, sign up, and become a member of the community. So we have the NFTs, but there's another initiative that you're behind, which is recreating Hong Kong in the metaverse. Can you introduce us to that project? Sure. This is also a very fun project that we're, that we're very excited about. We've partnered with The Sandbox, which is a, a leading 
metaverse company. It's built an incredible platform. And for us, we see it as a brand new canvas for storytelling. Now, as a media company, especially in 2021 and beyond, we honestly think that we are in the heyday of storytelling. There are so many different platforms that we can use to tell so many different kinds of stories in ways that are more engaging than just a written article can ever be. And we believe that the metaverse will be that next frontier of storytelling. So we're experimenting with it. We don't know how this is going to go, but we're experimenting with it. The beauty of what we're doing in the sandbox is that because it is a 3D virtual world, it allows us to relatively easily recreate not only parts of Hong Kong, but moments in Hong Kong's history that honestly only 3D space can properly represent. Because for those who have visited Hong Kong, you know Hong Kong is a place of scale. Being along its narrow streets with towering you know, skyscrapers or in its vast beaches or in its expansive natural parks, all of these things are about scale and experiencing it in sort of 2D pictures is just not enough. You don't understand, it's, it's hard to imagine why Hong Kong's history was the way it is and why it re- this city remains one of the great metropolises of the world and one of the most important places in the world without actually having visited. And especially in today's day and age, I mean, we're still in the middle of the pandemic, people can't visit. But in the future, that experience ought to be democratized so that everyone around the world can have an opportunity to experience that, to see it. And the metaverse gives us that opportunity, even if it is voxel-based. I understand. Sandbox is voxel-based. We're building in a way that is not photorealistic. But once you get into it, you actually realize that even with voxel representation, you can sense that scale. You can sense that import. And, And so that's what we're trying to do. And recreating things from past years and past decades is something that you can't even, you can't, you can't do in, you know, most other platforms right now. So that's the fun of it. Let me ask you, Gary, how are all of these learnings from Artifact and from Metaverse influencing the daily job of getting the news out and keeping relevant to your readership? Well, they are intertwined insofar as our job is to understand what the world wants to know and also what the world needs to know. And so our own exploration into the blockchain world and the metaverse allows us to better understand part of that audience. Now, it is not a scaled audience yet, right? This community is still relatively niche, but we know that it is moving towards the mainstream. This is not a fad that is going to go away. It's not a flash in the pan as a lot of people a couple of years ago kind of predicted. So if this new story is going to drive innovation around the world, then our company and our journalists need to better understand it. So that's why it goes hand in hand. But the Artifact Project and even our Sandbox partnership has not yet changed the daily process of news gathering and our journalism. And it really shouldn't change the basis of how we do what we do, because that's that's kind of sacrosanct for us as a news organization and for the entire journalism industry. Well, we look forward to Artifact and we look forward to seeing you in the metaverse and perhaps we can catch up again in Sandbox one day and have a catch up and a walk through Hong Kong. That would be great. Meet me at, uh, at the Central Pier in Sandbox at some point in the near future. Looking forward to it. Thank you for being our guest today on Crypto Savvy. 
Thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy. I'm Walter Jennings, your host, and this is brought to you by the Hashkey Group. Thank you very much to Gary Liu for a great conversation around NFTs, around reporting, and around upcoming projects in the metaverse. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. And wherever you listen to us, hit like and subscribe. Thank you very much for listening to Crypto Savvy. Walter Jennings coming to you from the Hashkey Group. Thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy, the podcast that delivers the essentials, brought to you by Hashkey Group.